to bring Sean onto this podcast. <laughs> you had a vision. I totally did. Of how he would come off and things that he would say. And did he meet your expectations? He totally met my expectations in certain degrees. But I had this vision or this plan in my head that you guys were going to totally discuss what it's like being married to a nurse and a non-nurse and what that dynamic looks like. Mm -hmm. And no, you got what it's like being married to me. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) We all got this beautiful like vision into what your marriage looks like. I got a lot of messages about that episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Sean came out smelling like a rose. Let me just tell you. And I was the asshole. Well, you edited the shit out of him, first of all. (laughs) Okay. We had to censor him because he was so inappropriate. True. But, you know, and that's perfect. He did come off as a quality guest, which is what we need. Yeah. But you did not look like an asshole. You looked like a married couple, which is totally normal. Okay, good. So, but our original plan, though, was for this discussion, in-depth conversation about relationships and what it's like being somebody who works in medicine and sees a lot of bad vicarious trauma every single day and being able to come home and share that with your spouse. And Sean's reaction was actually shocking to me when I listened back to the episode where he kind of responded with a, I don't really like hearing about it, but I kind of have to listen to it. So... I mean, I guess I'll, I, you know, that's got to be hard for you, but I really don't want to listen to it. And I was kind of shocked by that. So here's the thing with him is he is actually very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I actually am not as sensitive as he is. So when I take what I take at work and I tell him how the day was, he looks at me like, holy shit, how in the hell can you deal with this all day, he can't even take the conversation. It's it's a lot for him mm-hmm. to yeah. hear these things, to hear these stories and these traumas and these tragedies when I'm venting and kind of debriefing. And then I could just sleep with a smile on my face. He's sitting there like clenching the pillow going, oh my God, this is such a scary world. I don't want to end up in the hospital <laughs> kind of a thing. So it's it's an interesting dynamic that I really can't wrap my mind around because it's been so long since I haven't been in this field. Right. So to look at him as this like innocent, uh, what's the word when you don't work in the medical field and you're just, what what is the word? Just a non-medical person. Yeah. You're just a non-medical person. So I think it's important to kind of put some focus on as nurses or doctors or whoever's listening who's in the medical field, we see things that normal people in their regular work days, do not see. We see a lot of death. We see a lot of trauma. We see a lot of people in the worst state of their lives. And we do carry that without meaning to. And sometimes you have to release it at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, if you've had multiple bouts of it. You know, I I think it's something I've heard over and over from multiple medical personnel that sometimes it's difficult to release and talk and communicate their feelings towards their jobs with their spouse or their partner or whatever it is because there's that lack of understanding. Right. 
And so that's why we wanted to make this episode to kind of like touch on that a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, it's important. (laughs) Totally important. This is extremely relatable. I mean, a lot of people in the nursing field are married to other people in medicine. Mm -hmm. So they can, they have a a camaraderie. They understand what the other person has gone through. They don't need to explain in detail. They can talk in the terms that they would use with their coworkers or other people and have it understood in like – 30 seconds or less. Right. This is what happened. This is why I look like I do. This is why I'm taking a shower. I'm watching the Golden Girls and I'm going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Or like even if you've worked three or four days in a row or something, sometimes for some people two days in a row, like that next day, you're exhausted. Yeah. It's hard to want to cook and clean and do laundry and pick up your kids and do this and do that. It's you're so tired mentally physically our jobs are just so demanding you're in recovery you're in recovery it's like you i need i need two naps today (laughs) (laughs) and it's hard to explain it is because everybody else you know when you're in recovery so let's say you work monday through friday and it's saturday you have the option to just sleep there is no school lunches there's no like that i mean yeah maybe if you have little kids you're going to baseball or whatever but it's just little mm-hmm. you don't have these huge obligations right but when you're home for after four days in a row on a tuesday when your significant other is working their full-time job your kids need to deal you have to deal with everything that they're dealing with and all of the other things it's you're i always feel like i'm complaining i'm always so tired doing all these things on days that i'm not working and you know when they say like oh you only work like two or three four days a week like what's wrong with you why are you so tired i i mean i i can't explain it anymore it is what it is i'm tired that's my biggest pet peeve by the way is when people are like oh that you only work three days a week and i'm like dude shut up you have no idea what my days look like and yeah even though i work three days a week they're by the end of the day it's like a 14 hour day yeah i've been on my feet for 16 17 hours like running from two rooms that are like 20 feet apart i've done twelve thousand steps like i've had family members crying on my shoulder patient died today i did see you know like on a really bad day obviously but it's just it's a lot it's very demanding so coming home from that and like being exhausted that following day i feel like sometimes it's hard for your partner to completely understand like oh come on you only worked three days and that's why it's so bothersome it's like oh my gosh you're totally deflecting my emotional recovery right now (laughs) like I just went through really hard days and now I need the rest sometimes I don't fully understand that so someone in the medical field would understand totally but someone not in the medical field would look at you like I work five days yeah I work too but the difference is so like my husband he works from home 99 percent of the time Mm -hmm. okay and so when he's home I'll be like, oh, good, you're home. So I'm going to run to the store. The kids are here, blah, blah, blah. And he'll be like, all right, most of the time. But sometimes he'll be like, Angela, no, I'm on a call and I, I, I need quiet. I need to hide my office or whatever. And I'm like, then I'll look at him like, really, really? Like, mm-hmm. you can stay here. Like, it's fine. They're fine. Like, put on a show. And then he'll turn on me and be like, what if I went to your job 
and was like, watch the kids while I, you know, drop the kids off in the nurse's station while I, you know, go to the grocery store or something. And I'm like, that's not the same. You it's know, not the same. It doesn't feel the same, but you know what? It, 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 he has a point. There is like a level of comparison there that we do have because it's we feel like our job is so stressful. We oh, deal we with are on this pedestal. <laughs> this like I am high and mighty, and you little minion down there, like you don't even understand stress. <laughs> and it's not cool. I agree with you. It's not right. I do that to him. Yeah. See, I you know. I have stressed many times to partners in the past that stress is stress is stress. The amount of stress that you feel in your job, whether it's non-medical or medical, is the same amount of stress that I feel when I'm coding a patient because parasympathetic nervous system fight or flight is the same for everybody. The symptoms are the same. The racing heart rate, the same. The heightened blood pressure, the same. The anxiety, the same that there is no comparisons in life. However, with that being said, we don't have that margin of error like other people do in their jobs. So it's like we can't just pull up a medication and give the absolute wrong dose. We can kill someone. That's someone's life. So it does feel like... As opposed to like sending the email to the wrong person. Right, right. Like, oopsies. (laughs) Or like, oh my God, I spelled something wrong. Like it could be minor. But they can have catastrophic mistakes as well, you know? Like, they can totally ruin a relationship with a client or, you know, some type of deal could completely fall through and they could lose their income for a little bit, you know? So I get it. But I think it's important, too, to put an emphasis on there is stress in every job. But because we are so stuck in our little circle <laughs> yeah. in the medical field, we feel like our stress is just beyond and no one could ever compare to it. Where, yes, our stress is very – it's heightened and it does feel like we're on a pedestal. But yeah. they feel that same – they have the same physical symptoms as we do. And it could come into – it could turn into like a pissing contest. Yeah, totally. Like who's better? Who's more stressed? I'm more stressed I'm than more you. Stressed. <laughs> I'm more stressed. I'm more tired. I'm more tired. No, you're not tired. You just slept. You slept in. I was making the coffee when you were sleeping, remember? And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Why is this conversation happening all the time? Yeah, exactly. Just stupid. I know. I know. But I think, too, like it's, it's really – I've – I've had past partners that were in the medical field and they there was kind of a level of understanding where I felt like when I talked to them, it's like the stress that they felt in the field was the same stress I feel when I'm in the hospital. Yeah. And it was relatable, you know? And I've also dated people not in the medical field. And it almost comes with like an explaining, like I have to teach them now what intubation means extubation what a code blue means what a stroke looks like like a patient that's uh, mtp that's hemorrhaging out they don't understand the depth of what we do to people and so sometimes that's like it's hard to relate with your partner when they tell you about their stressful day and you're like you don't even know stress (laughs) i mean but it's not fair i know it's It's not. not fair when, when he comes to me and he goes, okay, we have this $2 million deal that this guy that we just hired hasn't shown up for three days. We're, he's not answering our calls. He's been on the payroll for two weeks, just off training, just off orientation. And we, he's the project manager. We don't know what's going on with him. 
he's going to ruin this $2 million deal. And if this $2 million deal goes south, the entire like uh, project that they're working on will fall on its face and every, and people can lose their jobs. So livelihoods are at stake. Like you said, relationships are at stake. Mm-hmm. People's jobs are at stake. So the level of stress can be very, very heavy. Yeah. And I see him with these, this like twitch in his eye going, oh, I need to fix this. I need to figure this out. Like I need to wear his hat for a while until I can get him on the phone and, you know, handle it and fill in the void. Meanwhile, doing my own job and trying to put out other fires. So yeah, it's a lot. Everybody has Every career, every job has their own situation. And even though he's working at the home office, which I look at him like, oh, good, you're home. Like, can I run to Ralph's? Right, right. <laughs> and he'll, he's like, ah, ah, like ready to like break my head off. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's important to like not minimize right. your partner's stress. Huge. If- huge little token life token there yeah like if your partner is stressed and they want to talk to you about how bad their day was don't compare it to how bad your days look like there is no comparisons in life they have the same stress feelings you do it's better to be understanding if not more understanding like i know what that feels like i know that feeling of heaviness in the chest or like feeling like your blood pressure and your heart is beating out of your chest because you feel like you're going to ruin other people's lives. Yes, I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. Have that compassion, that empathy for your partner. But at the same time, if you have that partner where you feel like as much as you want to discuss with them, there's kind of like a lack of understanding or you feel their discomfort. Like I've had this where I try to share my horrible day with my partner and it's like a like, oh, I'm so squeamish. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. As I'm like, you know, giving specifics, like he was squirting blood into the ceiling and then this and I stick my fingers into his wound, you know, they're like, oh, God, stop. (laughs) You know, they don't want to hear that. It's gross to them. Right. Make sure that you are. I enjoy that. I enjoy (laughs) triggering that gross response. Is that terrible? No, I feel like a lot of people do that. But I do. I wait for it. I I, like I provoke it. Do you? A little bit. See, I feel like. Okay, this is going to sound slightly sexist, but like for us, we like to disturb our male partners. <laughs> but like how hard is it for like the male nurses out there who want to share it with their wives or their male partners and they're like squeamish and don't want to hear it. As mm-hmm. women, we tend to be a little more squeamish with those things. So it's funny. Okay, let's get sexist for a second because <laughs> the people I know, the men I know that are in positions like this where they deal with traumas meaning not just nurses doctors firefighters police officers they see horrible things they go home you know what they do they internalize it Mm -hmm. they say how how, hey babe how was your day it was good it was fine and then they just take a shower and they don't want to burden their spouse because you know maybe they see them as this like sweet woman or the sweet wife housewife maybe who couldn't maybe in their head couldn't handle it right wouldn't want to take it on or they didn't want to have that like sympathy response of oh we're gonna you know and then they're like oh like leave me alone i just want to be i just want to be left alone you know so there's a reason why they're not spilling their guts Mm -hmm. and it could be a sex thing 
sex thing. It sounds well, like weird. <laughs> a gender thing. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It could be as simple as that. Or it could be just like old school or personality type or, you know, however their marriage and household is and what they perceive their spouse can handle. But I feel like it's important to find that balance because if they internalize it, they're going to end up with a lot of symptoms. And so it's fine. It's important to find that balance Mm-hmm. of what you can release at home and what you can share with your partner versus what to hold back. Like I said, sometimes I do kind of cross the line to wait for that. And then I pull oh, – okay, crossed it. Now I can <laughs> <laughs> pull back a little bit. And that's how I vent. <laughs> yeah, but like then when you are struggling with something internally and you're not sharing it with your spouse, like you're not going to Sean because he's not handling it well or doesn't want to hear it, like then what do you do? Hmm. I think that would cause a problem with our intimacy level. Well, yeah, but this is what I we're partners. You married me the day I became a literally the day I graduated nursing school, we got married. Yeah. So that's what you signed up for. Now buckle up, baby, because there's a lot of stories <laughs> to tell. But that's what I feel bad for is that you don't want to necessarily drag them along for the ride. When you're, you know, sometimes people, they don't go into the medical field because they're squeamish or because they can't handle it or it makes their stomach sick. And like you can't expect them to have the same response that you have when you're sharing these gruesome stories. Like there needs to, you're you're right, there needs to be like a level where you go, okay, I can't cross that line. But then for the nurses who, once you get to that line, then what do you do if you don't feel like you've completely resolved whatever's happening that internal struggle and you feel like you need to talk to somebody Phone about it. a friend so that's what i was gonna say like go to your co-workers Absolutely. man like they feel it they've gone through it too they know exactly what you're going through it's cathartic it's therapeutic that's why one of the reasons why you and i started this podcast sarah i know you and i would come together and just start talking and feeling better after we would discuss all of the things that we've dealt with recently. And they were like, you know what? This is pretty this is fun. This feels good. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Let's get out there and let's put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to have that camaraderie and know that there are people listening who support you, are emotionally there with you, and know what you're going through. And you not know? to burden innocent Yeah. And <laughs> you don't feel like – like. <laughs> He didn't like – he was honest. He said, I hate hearing those stories. That's what he said on the last episode. I know. And I was actually surprised that he said that too because he will ask me follow-up questions. He will let me vent and tell him. But when he said he hates it and he but he understands why I need to share was – kind of sweet but also i was i felt sorry for him right it's like he's doing it out of necessity because he loves you and he cares about you and he doesn't want you to hurt but internally you feel like you're traumatizing him like he's especially this past year this isn't something i would do every day but this past year when i would come home from certain shifts and he'd be like what's wrong and i feel like okay well you really want to know here's what's wrong and then i would tell him and then he would just be like, now he's in a in the same headspace, but with a lot more questions because he doesn't understand. Yeah. You know, so it's not fair. It is really not fair. And it's it's really difficult to have a partner reach that level of understanding. Like you really have to teach them. 
yeah, and make them understand. And sometimes I don't feel like that's better because then you're like dragging them, like you said, you're dragging them down with you, down that emotional spiral that you're living. So it's important, I think, to have a spouse or a partner that can like be very communicative and tell you like, okay, this has gone a little too far. How about when I have, <laughs> once I've processed with what information you've given me, then we can talk further about it. And for those people that have partners that aren't able to talk about this, like it's just too much for them. They're too squeamish. Reach out to your coworkers. If you don't have that, <laughs> therapy's great. <laughs> therapy's always great. Physicians that you work with, they're always they need the support too. That much. is such an important thing that you mentioned is sometimes physicians are treated as if they are almost the parent in the room, the parent of the hospital, where the nurses and the techs and the respiratory therapists and everybody that is dealing, you know, the big group of us that are always in the room. This is our assigned patients and we're always there. We're like the kids. And then the doctors are like the parents and we look to them like, mom, help. And then they help and then they leave. And then we forget that doctors have hearts and feelings and traumas and they're going through something as well. Mm -hmm. So they can also be our friends. They can also be people that we talk to and let them release onto us and vice versa and just engage that level of intimacy with our fellow physicians because they have they are going through it just like all of us it's been a really rough year especially this has been the year of hell for everybody in the nursing field in the anybody that's worked in a hospital in the last year mm -hmm. and i say hospital because we've been <laughs> we've been mowed down the last year mm -hmm. not everybody in the healthcare field hospital has been horrible so we have to remember that. Yeah. Make sure that you're reaching out, supporting everybody around you. Like, I know we, we, we've we said it multiple times. We love our physicians more than anything. We love our coworkers more than anything. But it's even more important now, especially now that we're coming out a couple months post-COVID, that you're extending your warmth and your gratitude and your just empathy – or not even empathy. It would be sympathy, right? Your sympathy for – everybody around you and what we just went through because we yeah. all know that exact feeling like we feel yeah we know we know what you're dealing with we know what you're going through and it just we just give you hugs <laughs> it was a tough year don't you feel like the the tone of the hospital has been just happier oh my god yes. better yeah people are planning vacations people are planning trips the people that are seeing family members that they haven't seen in a year they have things to look forward to now. A year ago, it was so daunting. Remember, we were like, maybe by Memorial Day, I'll see Grandpa. Maybe I'll get to, you know, New York and see the graduation. Maybe I'll get wherever. No, there was, it was like very hopeless and daunting. Now, with everything better in our country, I can't even speak for the world because the world is just too big. And I'm devastated whenever I look at like what's happening in India and what's happening yeah. in Brazil. Yeah. But I, I mean, here in America and where we live, it's just, it's really good right now. So I'm going to take this as a gift and appreciate it and be happy. Yeah. And also extend our sincerest condolences to other countries that are doing right. not great right now and just say, you know, 
I feel you. I know what you're going through. I know it's hard and you just have to trudge through it and just wish for the best. But just know that everything, those bad moments will end. There will be an end eventually and we are strong enough to get through it together. Yeah. So. Okay. So I brought this up to Sean today when you were saying, hey, let's talk about what it's like being married to a nurse. Angela, you know, like you were supposed to, like back in the time that we were talking to Sean. (laughs) Well, I brought it up to him and I said, so what is the positives and the negatives of being married to a nurse and I already discussed the negatives right which was bringing home the sadness and the tragedies and sharing those stories and it's true that you know bad news travels fast and so you're not coming home going great news so and so is going to be okay they got downgraded out of ICU like you don't go and share that news Mm -mm. you're talking about the things that hurt right that lingered that you are gonna like stare at the ceiling at night thinking about you know so um they get the brunt but the positive thing is whenever anybody in the family or any person has a medical issue or an illness or an acute problem where they have to go to the hospital it is so valuable to have someone in the family that can speak the language, that can understand what is happening. Because we all know what it's like being a family member at the bedside and not having any knowledge as to what is going on. All the alarms, all the monitoring, all the people, all the blood draws, all the tests. You know, they come in and they're just like, okay, I'm going to be here for a little while. You think it's like a doctor's visit. No, you are there to be poked and prodded and assessed. And it's weird and you look to your daughter-in-law who's a nurse and go hey why are they drawing my blood every few hours why is this blood pressure cuff on my arm taking my blood pressure every 15 minutes what is happening why is this alarm going off every time I like brush my teeth like all these things you have all these questions and when someone is like this is why and explain in layman's terms to understand it and then to talk to the nurse and ask the proper questions talk to the doctor Be there when the doctor approaches because sometimes they come in and they say what they want to say and they're so fast and then they say, do you have any questions? And then you go, no, thank you so much for your time. And then they leave and they go, Angela, um, what the hell did he just say? (laughs) Did I have a question? (laughs) So then it's like it's important to have that person totally. to be able to speak for you, to ask the right questions, the um, the knowledge of where to go, what to ask, what yeah. know what you don't know. Right. Is such an important trait to have in the family. Being the nurse in the family, though, can sometimes be a little Over- tricky. Overwhelming. <laughs> you know, when people start taking pictures of their rashes and sending oh. them to you, the one thing I cannot figure out. I never know. I've never been right on a skin condition, a rash, whatever it is. I'm like, it's hives. And they're like, actually, it was herpes. (laughs) (laughs) It was herpes. (laughs) That's never happened, but I would call herpes a rash. (laughs) I have had multiple friends and family members like pull me into rooms and be like, hey, I've got this like mole or like, yeah, same thing, rash. Can you take a look at it? And I'm like, I'm not a doctor. Like, I'm not going to give any You should really advice. get that checked. But and they're like, well, you're checking it, aren't you? I'm like, no, but you should really. Definitely. I'm going to say dermatitis. I'm going to say syphilis. What's dermatitis, <laughs> Angela? Well, dermatitis is literally like inflammation of the skin. Something <laughs> is inflamed on your skin and you should go have it checked out. <laughs> 
like when you go uh, when your poor spouse or partner goes out with uh with your nursing friends <sighs> and then all you do is talk about nurse shit and it's just like man my patient shit all over the bed in the middle of dinner and people mm-hmm. like your poor partner or like friend is like i hate my life right now this is you know so what? gross let <laughs> me just say that is not independent of nurses that is something that every single field it doesn't matter what field you're in. You could be mechanics. When a bunch of mechanics get together and they start talking about all the crappy cars and weird shit that pops up and the the mean customers and whoever else and the what they did to their, did you see what this guy did? He put together this tranny and he did it with like four fibros. Wait, what? Fibros? <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe we should talk about something that I actually know. <laughs> but I was, one time I was with a bunch of pilots. So... Little known fact, my husband used to be a pilot and he went to flight school. And so when he gets around all of his little like pilot friends, all they talk about is their near crashes and their horror stories of things that happened flying like major airlines, carrying like hundreds of people. And they're just like buffoons, just like you and me, flying the freaking planes and laughing about all of the awful, terrible, nasty things that potentially could have happened. And my job, I wasn't laughing with these people. Let me just tell you, I was not laughing. Panicked. I was panicking, panicking. And my my jaw was on my lap and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm never getting on a plane again. And you know, I already have a fear of flying. My first date with Sean was he took me up in a plane. Like the plane that's flying by right now that we can hear. <laughs> he took me up in a single engine Cessna. Okay. Uh, and he was like, trust me, I'm a pilot. And I was like, oh my God, you're so hot. So I'll trust you. And he's doing his flight check. He has a little clipboard and he's doing all the things, walking around the plane, making sure everything is safe. And then he looks at the gas gauge and it's empty. And I was like, oh, there's no gas. And he's like, that's weird. He goes into the like the arm of the plane, the wing, <laughs> the wing. <laughs> he goes to the wing. He opens the little gas tank and he sticks a stick in it. And he goes, no, there's plenty of gas. See, here's the gauge. And I'm like, but your the, gauge the thing on the, on the, like your control thing said no gas. It says empty. And he goes, well, that's broken. I'm like, I'm not getting on this plane. <laughs> if that's broken, what else is broken? And he's like, no, it's fine. I checked it manually. I checked it. This is what you do. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Okay. And I got on the plane. I got on the plane. The whole time I'm like, we're dead. We're dead. We're dead. I was like clenched and sweating and angry and upset. And I was like, well, if I go down, I go down with this guy and it's all going to be his fault and we're going to be in the newspaper and it's going to be a whole thing. And because we're out of gas, we survived. (laughs) It was fine. He knew what he was doing. But point is, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. Yeah. And when you talk to the people that are running the show of every single uh, profession out there it's like the sky is falling all the time yeah right yeah but they handle it You're right and they know what they're doing and we just have to lay back and trust that these professionals know what they're doing yeah so but when you listen in on their conversations it's a little disturbing like shitting bricks man <laughs> be shitting bricks <laughs> i'm afraid of flying too we have that i, mm. I didn't realize we have that in common but we would, haven't really traveled together, have we, Sarah? No. On a plane. No. I mean, we've been to wine country together. In a car. In a car. Yeah. When I was in control and everything was fine. 
<laughs> yeah, no. Mm-mm, I would not tolerate that well. Every profession has their oh shit moments mm-hmm. and they fix them before yeah. they turn bad. It's the same with our profession. And I think we've said that over and over and over again for our non-healthcare workers. Like if you have a family member in the hospital, you're going to always think the sky is falling and it doesn't necessarily mean it is. It means just let us do our business. We know right. what we're doing. So the interview came out it in April yeah. that we discussed on the episode This Is Us, remember? Mm-hmm. So that was filmed back in February, yeah. right? Right when we were in the thick of COVID and the big surge that we were dealing with. And the emotion was high. The the level of terror you could tell in my face and my voice And I am so proud of that interview. And I feel like it really came off authentic and true to how things were at the time. And watching it now in April was reflective of how things are now and how I I can smile and feel good about going to work tomorrow and feeling like change and happiness and good things are on the horizon Better things are on the horizon. At the time, I didn't feel that way. I was a doomsdayer almost. (laughs) Like, okay, they were right. (laughs) Oh, I I think you did such an excellent job like verbalizing and just almost giving us the visual of what it was like to be a critical care nurse in the thick of it, seeing death and portraying that for like the common person for the audience like us as ICU nurses we thank you for telling a little bit of our story and I like I'm so happy to be a part of Crash Cards and Cocktails because you did an absolutely amazing job I'm so proud of you thank you I wish you were with me but thank you I'm so happy I wasn't (laughs) (laughs) so if you want to watch the full interview go on YouTube type in full frame nurse Angela it pops right up we also have it linked in our Instagram if you go and check us out at Crash Carts and Cocktails. A little reflection back on this episode as well. To all of our listeners, if you have a partner or a spouse that you feel you're unable to talk to about your bad, horrible days, what is it that you do? Do you go to your coworkers? Do you suck it up and make them listen? Or do you internalize? We're kind of curious what everybody else does because we kind of do a little bit of everything. Make sure to comment. Let us know. Send us a message. And don't forget to share us on your personal Instagram pages. That's how we grow. Tell your student nurses. Tell your preceptors. Tell your friends. Tell your boyfriends. Everyone seems to like it. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell everyone about us. We're just super important. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it more than you know. Until next time. Until next time, guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye.